The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 190 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all the opinions expressed in the show are that of my own and not that of my present or past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence that are privileged to as a result of my current employment. I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past to the United States government. And nothing I say during the show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and get a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at the very cool website, cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Well, folks, last week we had the CEO and founder of Hubble, Tom Parker, join me on episode 189 of TF7 Radio to discuss one of the greatest enterprise challenges of asset inventory and the emerging market of technology asset intelligence. Tom shared his journey into cybersecurity from from being a gaming critic to CEO. We talked about the recent ransomware attacks that have raised questions about security mandates, regulations for businesses, and and his perspective on the Biden administration's executive order. We ended the show with Tom talking about how the investment community has a responsibility to ensure their portfolio products factor in security up front and that security is accounted for in the funding requests. All this and much, much more on episode 189 of Task Force 7 Radio. If you missed it last week's episode, don't sweat it, folks. We're on at least 11 different playback mediums. You can find us everywhere. That's episode 189, embedding security early on last week's episode of Task Force 7 Radio. Well, folks, I'm super excited about tonight's show. I got my dear friend, former colleague, and CIO of Siena, Craig Williams, on the show tonight. Craig Williams is the Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Siena, where he oversees the company's information technology organization. In this role, he leads a team that creates strategies to make IT a competitive advantage for the business, including the implementation of advanced solutions, process improvement, advanced data, and analytics. A transformational technology leader, Craig is responsible for enterprise architecture, information security governance, applications and solutions delivery, technology-enabled collaboration and worldwide systems operations. Craig has led the company's migration to digital collaboration and mobile tools to create a seamless work environment for Sienna's global workforce. Since joining the company in 2016, Craig has led a paradigm shift in the company's IT department by creating innovative strategies that have greatly improved worker productivity. Craig brings nearly 30 years of experience spanning broad-based design leadership implementations and support of new and emerging technologies in multiple industries. Craig has a tenured career in the IT space, generating business success in complex and varied industries, including high tech, Department of Defense, commercial and academic industries. Previous to Sienna, Craig has worked at Cigna Insurance, Booz Allen Hamilton, MITRE, Cisco Systems, Red Hat, and LinkedIn. Craig holds a Bachelor of, Inter- Bachelor of Administration and in Computer Information Systems from James Madison University, and a Master of Science in Information and Telecommunication Systems from Johns Hopkins University. It's my pleasure to introduce the Chief Information Officer of Siena, Mr. Craig Williams. Craig, welcome to Task Force 7 Radio, buddy. 
Mr. Bonio, how are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, this has been a long time coming. I mean, you know, we, we're kind of weren't able to do it for a little while since, you know, I worked for you. You know what I mean? Like, I know. I know. I know. Now you're off and doing other things and you just don't remember me anymore. And it's good <laughs> to finally get in touch back, uh, get back in touch with you again. Listen, man, look, I, it was an honor to work for you. I learned so much and, and, I, and I really want to dive into some of the things I learned working for you because I think the audience would just, you know, it would be great for, for everybody listening to kind of get your, your brain dump out here for sure. So, okay. so I, I would love for you to, you know, you've had a very interesting path, um, which I yeah. found fascinating to kind of get to the CIO role. Uh, I'd love for you to just share, you know, kind of your journey and, and how you got to be CIO and we'll, we'll go from there. Wow. Yeah. It's been a crazy road um, full of twists and turns. You know, I, I would say most more than anything, just trying something brand new every, I don't know, couple of years it really felt like, but I think uh, out of college, um, I spent probably seven, eight, maybe nine years in the consulting uh, space for DOD, uh, working in Washington, D.C., and being a part of many different um, or or, uh, consulting for a lot of different agencies down in in the DOD world. And, And I got this opportunity that it just kind of presented itself. Um, I remember seeing an ad for um, a role out in California at Cisco. And I literally to this day remember sitting there looking at that for, you know, just thinking like, I really want to do that. I don't have the experience. I don't have the stuff that I needed to do to get that job, but I certainly wanted to try to get there. And um, just applied basically. And they called me a couple of days later and long story short, I got the job and it was kind of a made up job. Um, had to move uh, to California from Virginia and uh, just have a little faith and try something new. But it was kind of this role to run their backbone uh, for the company. And it was a brand new big backbone that they had to put in. And of course, moving out of the DOD space into um, uh, at, at Cisco was quite a shock uh, for me and uh, just taking a big uh, risk, but did it and realized um, I got myself into something bigger than I thought because uh, the market crashed as soon as it seems like we got there. And, um, and you know this, Andy, probably like how much it costs just to buy a house and <laughs> kind of traffic you're faced with out there. And you know, all of a sudden the market drops. Oh, my gosh, it was horrible. But I, I held on and worked hard and moved around within IT, long story short, within IT, um, and spent, uh, I think, gosh, several years at Cisco and, and did just about everything I knew how um, at, uh, at Cisco. And I was like, you know what, I can't, I don't want to retire here. I want to try something different. And um, halfway through my journey at Cisco, I had moved back to Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, then went to Red Hat and ran infrastructure and operations for Red Hat. Had a great time. Um, the company was growing like crazy, but also had site um, resiliency issues and a lot of growing pains we had to work through. And probably about three and a half years into that, um, uh, LinkedIn called. 
and they were like, Hey, how about this head of IT role um, back in California? And I'm probably the only person, well, I don't know anyone who would be crazy enough to do that, but who actually went back to California after living there. And so I packed up the bags and headed back out and ran IT uh, for LinkedIn. And um, then we got acquired. And at that point, I was thinking, well, I don't think I want to work at Microsoft, but was open to it and just kind of kept the doors open for other opportunities. And um, Sienna uh, Corporation called. And I knew of Sienna because they were a very small version of Cisco but uh, and focused on optical. And uh, yeah, long story short, I took the job um, as CIO and um, probably a year into it, uh, they said, hey, why don't you just move back to the East Coast and do the same job, but do it from your house. And yeah, that's, uh, it was no brainer for me to leave California again and yeah, uh, sure. to move back to Raleigh, you know? So I've been here now at, at uh, Siena for about five years and have had a great time. Yeah, man. Uh, and you're doing such great things there. You know, the one thing that I feel like I've heard the most out of what you're saying is your, your willingness to take risks. And I know when I worked for you, we talked a lot about, mm. you know, people being number one operating priority, but, but risk taking was always something that we kept talking about. Yeah. And obviously you've lived it to tell me a little bit about how you felt, you know, I guess had the confidence to take those risks. Yeah. You know, I, I often, tell people that I think you yourself, like if you look in the mirror yourself, that person who looks back at you is probably the one who doubts, well, is by far the one who doubts yourself the most, you know, no one thinks of you like you think of yourself. And if you, <laughs> you even thought or realized how little people think of you, <laughs> you'd have a lot more confidence in yourself. So risk-taking is such an important thing, uh, but the hardest thing to do. I had this one time that just hit me in the nose um, when uh, I, I saw this, oh gosh, it was, I was probably three years out of college and saw what I thought was my dream job posted um, in the Washington Post um, and uh, when I lived out in Virginia. And it was for the CIO for uh, Fairfax County Public Schools um, very big public school system and, uh, you know, for CIO. And I'm like, you know what, why don't you try and just see if they even call you back. And if they called you back, you might learn something. And long story short, I, I did that. Um, sure enough, I got a call and, um, they were like, Hey, we want you to come in and interview. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I have no, you know, I didn't say this to them, but I was thinking to myself going, no way. I mean, I only have three years, four years, maybe of, of experience. Why are they talking to me? Um, I, my resume was accurate, but I didn't know why they really wanted to talk to me. So met them, uh, did the first round of interviews. And I thought for sure, like, they're not going to call me back. And, but I learned something through the process. And that was the whole thing for me is to try it. And then you might learn something and that's going to tell you or teach you something about the next time you try something. And long story short for that, they ended up calling me back and I made it to the final rounds of interviews. And I will tell you, Andy, like I was scared to death. Like I was like hoping that they wouldn't pick me 
because I wouldn't know what I was doing. I had no experience. I didn't lead great numbers of people. It was just crazy, but went back. <clears throat> and uh, I remember walking into the superintendent's big office and he's like, well, here's how the day is going to go. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay. Um, he opens his big conference room in the back of his office. And uh, there were probably 10 or 12 people around this big mahogany table. And they all got up as I walked in and they introduced themselves and shook my hand. And then I sit down at the head of the table and he closes the door and leaves. <laughs> the superintendent does. I couldn't remember anyone's name. I was just having the sweaty palms and, you know, heavy breathing, just trying to capture myself going, what in the heck am I doing here? How did, I, how did this happen? I could picture, I just, I, I could picture you. Oh, <laughs> it was painful. Um, but what I did is I, I caught myself. I'm like, look, look, you know, I told myself, say a little prayer. And I'm like, you know what? You, you deserve to be here. Try this and just see what happens. And um, then they peppered me with questions for a good, I don't know, 90 minutes or two hours or something. And just everything from technology views to people views of learning and development and all this stuff. And I did my best and, you know, shook their hands after and I went home and I was like, I hope I don't get this job. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe I'm supposed to get this job. Let's see. And and uh, the superintendent calls me back and he says, uh, Craig, I got to tell you, you are the number two pick. And I was so happy. I was like, thankful. But I was clicking my heels like he, he couldn't. I don't think he would have understood why I was so happy. But <laughs> what it taught me was you need to try. You need to put your neck out, you know, put your neck out there. Try something. And if through the process, it didn't work out, you're going to learn from that. And that moment taught me so much about trying something that I didn't believe in myself over to see if I could learn something from it to then apply to the next thing that you could, you know, maybe uh, run with. And so, yeah, taking risks does not come easy for me whatsoever, but it's been something that I've realized where, if you feel like you're in the deep end and you don't know if you can swim to the side and what are you going to do? Um, you know what? Try it. You're not going to kill. You're not going to drown. You're going to, you're going to be okay. And um, I've really tried to take that back with me along the last 25 or 30 years of my career. So, I mean, look, I, I love what you're saying here. Cause like, you know, and you've obviously connected me to, you know, Jennifer, you know, Selby Long, who's been on the show. Right. And we had a great time here. And uh, yeah. he always talks to us about what's the gift. And it sounds like that's something that you applied to yourself in terms of like, hey, I came in number two, but what did I learn? What did I get out of it? What was the gift of this? And, and I, it's so yeah. cool to hear that. So, you know, you talked a lot, which I love this saying of yours, which is, you know, we look for people with PhD, passion, heart, and drive. And I think, it resonates really well with me, but you mind explaining, you know, that and how you got to that and, and your philosophy around that? Yeah. Um, boy, I had, I think it was a red hat at the time. And I realized through, gosh, and all my career getting to that point that it really was about people, but you got to quit being so cliche about it. What was it about people that, um, 
really pushed you forward or pushed the team forward and, and uh, your, your purpose forward. What was it that those people, what, you know, what, what kind of personified this person that um, all these people that really, you know, made, was really uh, struggling for the word. I would say like, how, how do you like put it into practice what you knew that you had to do from a people perspective? And I just realized, I wrote it down one day. I was like, well, there's, you know, passion. You got to be passionate for something. Um, you've got to have heart and you got to be driven to succeed. And when I really boiled that down, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's PhD. Let's just go with that. And I realized how important those types of people were because those people you can teach any technology to. Uh, you can teach them any soft skill um, because they're sponges. But what's more important is they love to be around other PhDs. They're catalysts and they push each other. Um, and I really just realized that when you can point to something like that, people identify and understand um, uh, th those types of people. And uh, I just have ever since then just said, look, I want PhDs in my team. And people want to be a PhD. They, they really love the idea of, you know, being passionate and being, uh, have a heart, have a big heart and, and being driven to succeed. And, and uh, how you recruit, you go after those people, uh, you talk about it, you point to those people in your team and it just becomes a good um, center point, I would say, to uh, really kind of bring the idea of, not being so cliche about, yeah, it's about people, but and what kind of people are you after? And um, so, yeah, we still use that in the team today. And when we interview people, we, hey, is that a PhD, do you think? Well, tell me why. What would what, you learn from that person that why should we hire them? Um, and it's just simple to point to because, um, you know, it's, it's something that we're, we're always after. Yeah, it's fun too. And I think, you know, you built a great team at Siena and you've got a great crew of people that you've had, you know, obviously want to follow you from job to job and you just built such a great team. And, and I just, and I've actually taken the PhD philosophy from you and I've been, you know, applying it. And for me, okay. it felt like I had a very similar thought process, but I never, you know, I always bundled it under like mission team, you know, team first. Yeah driven, check your ego. But when I got, came through the door at Siena and worked with you around PhD, like that really, I think kind of solidified what I had been, you know, kind of working on in my own career. So yeah. it's really yeah. cool the way you framed it, but um, well, Hey Craig, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear from our sponsors. But so, Hey, if you're a social media chunky, don't forget to follow TF7 radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram at searching at TF7 radio. And you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family on our favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause for a quick message from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with CIO of Siena, Craig Williams. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. 
As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure. Security-innovation.org or Google Signet S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with CIO of Siena. Craig Williams. Well, Craig, I got to ask. What's up? So, you know, we talk a lot on the show about CISOs and kind of, you know, what do you do when you first come in? You're newly new to the seat, but we don't really talk about that from the CIO perspective. Like, tell me, tell me like the thought process of a CIO walking into a new organization for the first time. Like, what's the, what's the process? Well, you know, it's um, it's easy to say, and it's true. Um, it's not about technology, and so I don't need to come in um, talking about you know what new networks or systems or things like that. I, I have to assess, just do a ton of listening, 
talk to your team, spend, you know, um, a good couple months just making your rounds, getting to know the, the culture, the climate, the people, what, what makes them tick, how did we get here, what's good, what's not. And then you go a step further and you do the same, but you do with your peer group. Um, so all your peers across the company and then um, go up as high as you can in the company as well and take some of the feedback you've heard and also do a bit of a kind of a regurgitate um, every piece of it and from a, you know, the themes that you've heard and, and bounce it off people. And then you really can then come back with what I um, like to, to do is a 30, 60, 90 day plan and then break that down. Um, and I think for myself, you know, you, you have to quickly assess your team. You got to figure out um, what they're made of, why they think they do, what the way they do and where are we going? Where are we pushing boundaries and such? And, and then uh, you got to learn from that point how to then put your plan together. But, you know, technology really just does not rise to the top. You just got to figure out what kind of people and what do they think about and how do they view technology and, and, uh, and the business together. And, and then, you know, you got to put your plan together. So, you know, now you've got your team, you've got your plan. And, you know, you hit that like two to three year mark and now you're going, okay, business is evolving. You know, we got to make some changes. And, and I think you spend a lot of time obviously staying, you know, abreast of what's going on in the tech world as you should. Um, But I also think that you've got a pretty good knack for kind of articulating things like digital transformation and taking people on the journey, like how did, you know, where did the storytelling side of this come in for you and kind of how have you kind of evolved over time in that? Yeah. You know, I think there are in, in different companies there you have different problems and that's the first few months, maybe even a couple quarters of a role. You got to really figure out where the company is, where they need it to be. Some, some companies just want you to keep the lights on and some companies want you to evolve the company. And once you assess that and you figure out how big of a task you have to then go do, you really need to be talking to your team about where you're trying to get to and really help them understand the purpose of it. And often through that, you're going to be breaking a lot of glass because it would have been done already. Um, And, uh, you know, you got to be willing to shake things up. But when you do that, you got to be really talking in terms of less about milestones. You got to talk about purpose and get people focused on why you're doing something. And I always find, you know, doing that with uh, stories, breaking that down as to why and the purpose. And let's talk about this from a, um, you know, kind of a story storyline versus just telling them what to do. Cause you want people to believe in it, but to believe in it, you really have to understand why. And I, and I, I like to tell um, some of the stories behind or just the way to get there through a story. So, yeah. So, so where do you think the, so look, there's no shortage of like conversation right now around how the CIO and the CISO operate together. Um, yeah. Partnership between the two. Um, where do you think the CISO role, you know, is evolving to today? Great question. It's funny if you look backwards, 
there's all this write-up and people tell you all day long that the CIO and CISO are at opposite ends with each other. And I just, I don't understand that. I really just fundamentally don't understand that. Um, and if anything, I, I, I can't see how you can be a good CIO if you don't have security in the, you know, emblazoned on your forehead. And you have to be in position to help the CISO be effective and vice versa in some regards, but you really have to like serve the CISO for the purpose of what the security uh, lead needs to do. You better have a secure network. You better have people who are thinking about security and all that they do. Otherwise you're going to make the life of the CISO miserable. And if your network is popped because you didn't follow good practices, then what kind of CIO leader are you? So I really do believe that, um, there's just been this long history for some reason, people talk about you know differences and one has to be secure and one has to be technology. It's like, no, you have to have them both together. And I just think the future is all about that. You have to have security-minded CIOs. Um, you just can't ignore that topic. It's almost like saying, I'm not gonna pay attention to budget You know, as a CIO, you, you have to pay attention to budget, you have to think about security. So to me, you, you got to help enable the CISO um, more and more. Um, and, you know, you and I have talked about in the past too, that I got to get my team in IT on the IT side, I got to get them to be security professionals and almost act as if you're trying to work out, uh, work the, um, the CISO team out of a job. It'll never happen. But try like hell because you need your IT professionals, your team to be security minded so that let, you can uh, have the security team focused on, you know, like the 5% of the issues that happen because those are the ones that concern every company. Let, let's see if I can take 90, 95% of the issues off the table at the IT level so that the CISO can look at the things that go bump in the night. And that's such a really good point. I mean, you and I have talked about all this stuff at length, but I, I think it's really cool to think about because I think about the CISO role becoming more of like a you know information risk officer or like a risk type of role. You know, if you yeah. we do the things that we you know you just mentioned, right? If you can have your infrastructure so tight, and I just have you know as a CISO have so many you know kind of like you know really skilled practitioners looking for really advanced things that you know most attacks would never, you know, the adversary would have had to spend the biggest, you know, money and they use their biggest tools to make that happen. Yep. Um, so then you, you know, the CISO ends up managing, you know, some really high end capabilities, but also really is a, a risk conversation, you know, because you don't have to spend right. the day, you know, patching and worry about vulnerabilities and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I think that's a really great part. And for CISOs out there who are listening, right, it should be you know, what's the evolution of their, of your role, right? At some point, you know, you've got to move away from threat and vulnerability, hope you have a CIO like Craig that can handle that stuff with you and then start to think about how you become a risk practitioner, helping manage the business from a risk perspective and not yeah, just yeah, focusing yeah. on vulnerabilities. Um, so look, man, I think that, you know, the, the technology stack is constantly changing, um, and I know you spend a lot of time thinking about digital transformation. Where, where do you see, you know, things going and, you know, in general, as in, in, from a tech perspective for, for the enterprise? 
Mm, great question. Um, well, what, what we did at Siena um, probably four years ago, really, when we started the journey, uh, we, we said we're going to start over as an IT shop. So we've been around as a company for 25 plus years or so. And we said that, you know, if you started brand new as a company, what would you do? Let's go do that. You'd go cloud everything. You'd support everything. You'd do collaboration tools. You do video everywhere. Mobile would be a priority to factor off everywhere. And, you know, you'd, let's just get those things done. And when the pandemic hit, it just happened to be that when you did that, things like the pandemic are a non-event for those companies who put those um, practices in place. Now, I'm not saying we didn't scramble. We did. We scrambled in a lot of areas, but it wasn't a big event for us at Siena. And what that did is it allowed us to now focus <clears throat> on more of the future. So transformation, I think, has to do with um, uh, just the way you look at your company and the kind of uh, things that they need to be successful. So it might be business process re-engineering efforts. Um, it might be now kind of taking the collaboration tools to another level. Um, now that you got a network in, you're in the cloud and you got great collaboration tools with video, what about augmented reality? What about virtual reality? How about remote learning with headsets so that I can show you what I'm seeing physically where you don't have to physically be there? And I think... There's just this whole world that has started to open up in this space. Um, you could say security now, of course, you know, the, the transformations that have to happen compared to um, a year ago are quite different than they are now. So, you know, long way of saying that in, in some regards, it's just the next evolution of what your company needs. But I would really suggest that you have to get a very forward-thinking vision around this. Otherwise, you just can't compete um, in the marketplace. You got to have the latest and greatest of technologies, almost as if you're starting over as a company, what would you do? Because that then opens up that next level of innovation and transformation that you can um, really use to then power your company. So to me, it's just this always evolving thing, but you got you to gotta start with the um, the basics and you got to push hard. One, one of the things I thought that I, I was always impressed with is how you empowered your leaders to kind of have them you know, rethink their area and be kind of almost challenge them to be the best in the world at mm. their, their job. Right. It's like, like yeah. if, if you're going to go out and, and talk to your peers, like what is it that you want to go talk about? Like how did that, and I know, I know you have an HR background <laughs> to some extent through your family, right? So, and yeah. like, but like, <laughs> how does, like, how does that, you know, empowering your leadership team to say, look, I want you to be the best in the world. Like, what does that look like for you? Like, how does, how did that come about for you? And, and, you know, how do you, how do you, is that, that doesn't seem normal. Like, I don't feel like that's the normal path that leaders, some leaders take, like, and they should, but how did you yeah. get to that point? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because what if you just said, hey, team, I want you to install this and I want you to put out the, this for the company. Okay, you'd get just that. And you would probably just go, well, that's what you told me to do. 
um, type type responses. And I certainly seen that in my teams in the past, but if you said to them, look, I don't want to hear just what we're going to go install. I want to know where the market is going. I want to see you up on stage talking to everyone about what you did different. And so I really try to challenge the service owners um, that I, that I work with to say, look, if you're running, I don't know, it could be the help desk, even just the help desk, you're leader of the help desk. I want to be at a conference full of help desk people. And I, I want to see you up on stage talking about what you did to transform our company. I want to hear what you're talking about so that you can tell others about the future of the help desk. When you say the same thing about the video or collaboration tools, people, because if you challenge them that way, they really go, Oh, you know what? <laughs> I better get versed on what's happening I better get versed on what peers are doing. I better get versed on the future. And that's a very different kind of leader that you uh, will work with in that capacity versus the one that says, oh, yeah, let me just go roll out that, you know, help this tool or the collaboration tool. You really want those kind of thought leaders out there who are going to challenge the norm. Because, again, those kind of PhDs that I mentioned before, these are the people that, you um, think big and, and are hungry and they want to push the ball forward. Um, so that's what I try to do. I just try to make sure that these people aren't thinking small, that they're really thinking big. Um, so to me, it's a statement, you know, um, be that type of leader that uh, we can see up on, on stage talking about your particular service um, because someone has to do it. You know, when you go to these conferences, someone's up there. Why isn't it you? Yeah, man. So I think for you, you know, th that's, that's really worked, you know, and, and I would love to get your take on how executive coaching, personality testing, you know, I know you use all of that and you push it in your teams. How, how much of that has enabled you to really see the levels of success that you've had? Yeah. I had a boss once who, a manager once who made it a habit to hire people who were not like him. And I never understood that. I kind of think I missed the point until I really saw him in action. And he did. He hired people that were very different in how they thought about problems. And yes, you had Jennifer Selby up um, on, in one of your broadcasts before, and she's been wonderful um, person to work with. I call her my work therapist, by the way. She's um, incredibly gifted at, at people and the, the way people think. And what I've done now, oh gosh, I've, I've done this now with her for probably 20 years, is to work with people uh, to understand the type of person that they are, especially the Myers-Briggs types of tests. And they've got all these different types of things. But when you do that first yourself, this is how I think. That's kind of an enlightening as a leader to actually think that's how I am. Okay, cool. Are you an introvert? Or are you an extrovert? Well, let's talk about that. And why is that good? Or why is that a concern? Or what kind of situation would that be helpful? Or where could it be a little bit harder? And when you do that for yourself, but then you combine it with the team, you start to see that we're all people, but we don't always, A, know ourselves and B, know some, you know, the, the other people that we work with to that level. And she has been wonderful in orchestrating that understanding 
so that people who, I don't know, you might have you know, a bunch of introverts or extroverts, but if you're talking over each other and you don't let the introvert talk, you guess what? You better make time for that introvert to talk because they have something to say. They're just not putting it out there. And once you go through that whole exercise as a team, you really figure out how to leverage each other um, much better. So I, I do make that uh, a focus for us. And it's just always been uh, enlightening. It's been fun. You know, there's a lot of belly aching, laughing type moments that we have through stuff. Um, but we all walk away stronger because we, uh, we know more about ourselves and we know more about each other. Yeah. I mean, having joined your leadership team before and, you know, work alongside you, you know, I know that was coming from a team mission driven dynamic that I did in law enforcement. That was really the first time in my private sector career where I felt like, you know, we started to kind of come together as a team because we, we were invested in each other to understand how each other worked, thought, cared about, you know, and so when you come out of a meeting, you're not just going, man, why is that person like not like me? It's like, no, no, no. They, yeah, they just, they just didn't get it because maybe I didn't communicate in a way that they would understand it. So it's, let's reflect. Right. So it took a whole nother approach to it, which I, I have, you know, leveraged, you know, for the last few years. And I've certainly appreciated you introducing me to all that stuff. But I think that is, you know, getting people to think about them as we're on the same team, we all wear the same jersey. And, yeah. you know, how do we communicate in a way where we, knowing that we're different, how we communicate that will enable us to actually be effective as a unit and, uh, you know, extremely, extremely valuable stuff. So, yeah, um, good. Yep. Cool, man. Well, hey, look, we got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors. Don't go away, folks. We're right back with more from CIO of Siena, Craig Williams. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. 
For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with CIO of Siena, Craig Williams. All right, Craig. So I'd love to get your take on CISOs new to a company. How do they, what advice would you give them on how to build a relationship with the CIO? Yeah, great question. Um, You know, I I think you have to figure out who your advocates are in a CISO position because, you know, it's it's like pushing a wet rope. You're never going to be secure enough. And if you were, it would kill the business and all that stuff. But you got to figure out how to get the agenda uh, pushed forward. And I do think that one of the biggest proponents that should be in your corner is the CIO or the head of IT. And I think it's important to really work closely with that person. And, you know, I would say if you're a new CISO going to a company, ask the question, who's the IT leader? Make sure you talk to that person before you accept the job even. Um, But really work with that IT leader to understand where they're at in the whole uh, space of security, their mindset around it. You might have to do some education. You might have to, you know, take that person through some scenarios and actually run some tabletops to show some, um, you know, some live threats. Um, But you've got to get the, the IT leadership on your side. Uh, otherwise, I think it's an uphill battle because really if the IT leader holds the keys to all the, the systems that have to be secured, you won't, you're going to find it really hard to affect change if, um, if you don't have that relationship down. So I, I, that's what I would do is I would spend time uh, with the IT leadership and really break it down. And, uh, and again, they might not have the understanding that you would have, but walk them through, do tabletops, um, so that they do. Nice. So I'd love to get your, you know, the CIO's perspective on the evolution of security. Like where's security going um, over the next, say, a couple of years in your, in your mind? Yeah, but scary. Um, you know, a year ago, as I mentioned earlier, a year ago, I think we thought we knew and understood security, or at least the potential could be bad, but you didn't really think it could be that bad. And with solar winds and, you know, the man in the middle of supply chain attack type things, you have to rethink everything. And I think the future for companies 
all companies, quite frankly, any company that's got a product behind it, you have to understand. And by the way, I think that's every company, right? <laughs> I think every company's got a product, but um, you, you have to figure out how that product is made and then figure out, you know, that it's a secure product when it leaves um, your company's shelf or the company itself, you know, when, when someone buys it. Because now um, I would say myself, what I have to think about as a CIO is where am I getting my product from? What kind of security do they have? How do I know that I'm not infected if their patch or update hits my company and so on and so forth? And it goes without saying that you have to be, as a leader, you need to be thinking about the same as your company puts a product out. And so that whole world is going to cause companies to really think about regulation differently, standards differently, uh, self-audits, pen tests, red teams. You got to be thinking differently to make sure that you're thinking about these problems and not just waiting for someone to figure it out for you. And then, you know, you're the subject of a headline a news, newspaper or something. So I really think that future has more to do with your product integrity and um, working closely with the IT team and the engineering teams and all the other teams involved with that product. And so you're going to have to get to that level of understanding with your company to, uh, to make that happen. Yeah, you really get into that place of like, how do you build trust and assurance, you know, validate, you know, everything that companies are telling you they do, everything that you think you're doing, um, because without it, you know, everyone's just guessing, you know, like, yeah. I think, we're, I think yeah. we're good. All right, well, prove to me that you're good, right? How do you do that? Yeah. Around that? It's not, you know, it's not just about viruses and worms and DDoS anymore. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. whether just the hacker kind of kids or, you know, just do stuff. It's they want to take you out or they want to leverage you somehow and, and uh, snoop. And if you don't have a plan for your product in that regard, then your company is going to have a big time, you know, big uh, problem to deal with uh, at some point. So, yeah, I think that's really the future is you got to get to that level. You can't just hit it at the surface or even just talk about the layers of security. You got to understand the product that you're making and all the pieces that go into that product to, to make sure that uh, we have the right security in place. Yeah, man. All right, Craig. Well, listen, Manny, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and everything you've done for me personally uh, and professionally. So I, I, I really mm. appreciate you and, and thanks for being a guest and I hope we get to catch up soon. Likewise, Andy. It's a pleasure uh, working with you and uh, thanks for having me on the show. All right, brother. It's time for us to bounce up on out of here. Before I go, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub and get a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at CSHUB.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.